You're listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer hard questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Welcome to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller here with my dad, Pastor Jeff, and we are continuing our discussion on the Trinity. We talked about God. We talked about the Holy Spirit. And now uh, today we're going to be talking about Jesus. Um, And I think the discussion on Jesus is uh, such an interesting one because there is so much that we read about him in scripture, the life that he lived, but also so much that we don't see about him. Yeah, and don't you think, in terms of the Trinity, he's probably the most popular because we feel as though we can relate to him, we come to God through him, yep. uh, it feels much more personal because he lived here on the face of the earth, so uh, I think people are drawn probably more to Jesus than the other parts of the Trinity. Yeah, don't you think, I find myself doing this, there's a little bit in the subject of Jesus where we don't hold him to be as holy or as great of a being as he actually is because he feels like one of us. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I think because he walked on the face of the earth, because, you know, he went through the sufferings and the difficulties that we do. There's a sense always, at least when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. that God was sort of this father in the sky ready to sort of whack you if you got out (laughs) of line. And the Holy Spirit was so kind of ghosty that Mm -hmm. we didn't know what to do with that. But Jesus was always the one, at least from my perspective growing up, that you could kind of relate to. And again, he was sinless. He's a part of the Trinity, so he's always been in existence. But there's a sense in which because he came to earth Mm -hmm. and, you know, possessed humanity that you and I feel as though we can relate to him better. And I feel like we give them different characteristics almost when the reality is they they work in complete unity and harmony, not in competition with one another. They are one, but we often say, well, God is the God of judgment. Jesus is the one who has mercy for us, and the Holy Spirit is the one that's kind of feely and... Yeah, I'm not sure why we do that, but you're right. That is kind of how we play it out in our Mm -hmm. minds. And maybe to some degree that's helpful for us, but, you know, Jesus was every bit involved in creation. Mm -hmm. Colossians chapter 1 talks Mm -hmm. about it. He's always been in existence. They've always existed together uh, throughout all of history. So there's a sense in which they are one God, Mm -hmm. yet for some reason... Yep. There's some persons that we identify with yep. easier and Jesus being one. Yeah. So let's start there. So how do we know if Jesus is this man that's written about, obviously in the Bible, also in other historical literature, how do we know that this man who walked the earth some 2,000 years ago is actually God? Yeah, again, we're going to have to take the witness of Scripture mm-hmm. on this. Again, there would be nothing outside of Scripture that would hint to that, give us that idea. I certainly think... There's historical evidence of the fact Mm -hmm. that he was resurrected from the dead and Mm -hmm. all of those kinds of things. But really, we're going to have to go to scripture on this. Um, You know, all of the four gospel writers made it incredibly clear uh, that Jesus was God. Uh, In John chapter 1, it says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm -hmm. Uh, many of his disciples and followers too, even Thomas the doubter eventually comes to that place where he said, listen, uh, you know, he had a chance to mm-hmm. touch 
the holes in his side and the holes in his hand and said, my Lord and my God. So he mm -hmm. claims him to be. Mm -hmm. Most of the disciples did at that point in time, followers of Jesus Christ. But for me, it always comes down to this. If I'm going to believe that Christ died for my sin and the sin of the entire world, if we receive him as Savior and Lord, he has to be God. If he's not God, he's not sufficient enough to cover an infinite amount of sin for mm -hmm. all of the people of this world. So for me, it eventually comes down to simply this fact. If I believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for me, he has to be God who died in order to cover the sin of the world, in order to cover my sin. So ultimately, I think there's biblical evidence, but ultimately who we hold to and who we see him to be for salvation mm -hmm. uh, is critical that mm -hmm. he was God. Yep. I don't want to give too much away because I'm working on this for my message, but when working with the fact that there are multiple written accounts of the resurrection of Jesus, multiple written accounts, which back then was unheard of. Writing was expensive. Most people were illiterate, so they couldn't really even read it anyway. So the fact that men, disciples of Jesus, took the time to say, we need to write this down so people know that this actually happened speaks volumes. It, just the four Gospels alone, mm -hmm. just four writers that mm -hmm. made a commitment, and, and you're right, it, it hinges on the resurrection. Mm -hmm. When Christ was risen from the dead, they said, listen, let's put everything down about him. Mm -hmm. uh, even the Old Testament now comes into being because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's a sense in which you're right, four writers, New Testament writers come together mm -hmm. because they wanted to give account of who he is. Historically speaking, that's just unheard of. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think of the disciples often, you know, a lot of them struggled a little bit with doubt or even denying Jesus after he died on the cross. And their lives were in grave danger after Jesus died. I mean, the leader, the man that they were following has just been crucified. Do you think they sat around with bated breath like, all right, start the timer. He's rising again in three days. Or were they fearful that maybe we got this wrong? Yeah, I, I think that's where they were. I think there was no such movement as Christianity on Friday and Saturday. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I think they thought he was a liar. I think they thought he was a heretic. I think they thought he was some sort of charlatan that had fooled him. Mm -hmm. But everything changed on Sunday. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm convinced the resurrection was a linchpin of all of Christianity, of all of history for that mm -hmm. matter. Because now all of a sudden people go, oh, he was who we said he was. Now there's this movement known as Christianity, eventually the church, mm -hmm. because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they were waiting around. I think they thought he was dead and gone and they had been fooled. Mm -hmm. But boy, that changed on Sunday. Hmm. I just can't imagine those emotions. I mean, you've given your life to this and you've believed him to, be, to be who he said he was. I. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine the disappointment? No. Uh, and again, I don't think the disciples fully understood who he is going to be. And, um, you know, this idea that he was going to overthrow Rome, that mm -hmm. they, they didn't fully mm -hmm. get exactly who he is going to be, that he was going to be this suffering servant, that ultimately he'd die. Mm -hmm. on the, they kind of got some of it, but I don't think they fully understood. Mm -hmm. So when he died and he was dead and gone, I think mm -hmm. there was tremendous mm -hmm. disappointment. What have we given our lives to? Yeah. What have we followed after yeah. for all of these years? Well, let's talk about that for a second because he, he was the long-awaited Messiah. For hundreds of years, he had been prophesied about, but they thought he was going to look a lot different than what he looked like. Correct. And that's the problem with the Jews to this day as to why they don't follow after Jesus, why they don't see Jesus to be mm -hmm. the Messiah. 
And, and again, Messiah just simply means anointed one. So one says Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah or anointed one. It's not his last name. Right. It's not Mary Christ, Joseph Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Christ literally means Messiah or anointed one. And this was the one that to this day had been prophesied all throughout scripture that there was a day coming when the Messiah is going to uh, come from the line of Moses, but he's going to be greater than Moses. And all of the Jewish people knew that. Uh, even in Isaiah chapter 53, when it talks about the suffering servant or Psalm 22, when it talks about the fact that the Messiah is going to suffer, they knew that, but for some reason they never saw it. I always think it's just simply because they saw him to be one who was going to come overthrow the Roman government, mm -hmm. was going to place Israel in the center of this. They were going to be God's chosen people, and they were going to be these conquering heroes forevermore. Um, remember when Jesus, and we got an opportunity to go there. You, you hate when I talk about <laughs> hey, Israel. Hey, he's been to Israel, if anyone Yeah, knows. that's Lydia's pet peeve is that I constantly <laughs> talk about Israel. But one of the most powerful things for me is the Palm Sunday walk. So hmm. you kind of walk down towards the city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, you make your way down. And there's a point in turn there where we kind of see that Jesus, you know, is making his way toward the city of Jerusalem and people are shouting Hosanna, which literally means save us. So they were convinced he was the Messiah. He was one who was gonna conquer Rome. He was gonna throw off Rome and all of the tyranny that they had given to them. Um, but the reality is they didn't recognize he's riding on a donkey, he, a beast of burden, a humble servant that eventually was going to die on a cross in their behalf. So, you know, that whole idea of a Messiah, uh, they never saw being fulfilled in who Jesus was. And it's too bad. I mean, th there were three criteria, prophet, priest, and king. He was all of those. You know, he was a prophet in the line of Moses. He was a priest under the order of Melchizedek. He was a king because he comes from the line of David. Mm -hmm. Everything that the Jews should have believed with regards to the Old Testament. That he'd be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2. That in Isaiah chapter 7, he'd be born of a virgin. Everything mm -hmm. the Jews knew, he fulfilled. Mm -hmm. But because he was different than who they wanted mm -hmm. him to be, they rejected those things and never received him as Messiah. Mm -hmm. I just even think of Jesus obviously, you know, knows how this is going to go down, but the, but the pain that that must have caused him so deeply loving them and, and being there, being among them, stepping, I think it's in John, maybe it talks about, he's the artist that literally steps into the painting yeah. and he's not recognized by who he has created. Just the... Um, yeah, yeah, and, I, and again, I know he lays aside some of his divine prerogatives, Philippians 2 says, but I still think he's omniscient God, so yes. he knows. Yep. He knows they're going to mm -hmm. reject him. He knows they're not fully on board. He knows, yep. and, and just the disappointment of mm -hmm. that. I think that's part of, mm -hmm. again, going back to Israel, one of my fascinating places, the Garden of Gethsemane, because he mm -hmm. struggles with that. Mm -hmm. He struggles with rejection. Mm -hmm. He struggles with what God has called him to do. Mm -hmm. He struggles with that. Yep. And, and there's some real humanity there mm -hmm. that I can yeah. kind of get in touch with. I once heard it described, it's not a perfect analogy, but I think it's really good. The idea of Jesus coming down is a little bit like the idea of undercover boss, where <laughs> they give up their, it doesn't mean that they're not the CEO anymore. It doesn't mean that they don't have all the knowledge that they have or the ability, but they set those things yeah. aside and they choose not to exercise the power that they have to be among the people. And it, it feels a little bit like that. It, it, yeah, I agree. And I love Undercover Boss. It's a great show. Way. 
But I think that's a good analogy. I, I think he lays aside some of his divine prerogatives, privileges, because he wants to identify with mankind. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to understand what we go through. He wants to sort of allow us to follow this example and model that he has. So, yeah, good yep. stuff. Yep. Well, we're going over on time for this one because I'm just so excited to talk about Jesus. I love this subject. We'll go ahead and stop there. Uh, we're going to pick up. We're going to continue this discussion on Jesus. I hope you join us next week. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. Podcast.